0: Welcome to your sanity safe space with your favorite YouTube podcast duo or at least one of them it kind of depends and probably some rando too but no complaining because this is free free this is beauty and the beta bonus audio content Hello and welcome to the show. This week, I am a guest on the Property Rights Podcast. The Property Rights Podcast is a movement that aims to empower others through a twice-weekly podcast by offering a contrarian take on business, education, success, and politics in order to live life on one's own terms. We talked about my political evolution, my history on YouTube, 2020 politics, and much more if you like what you hear, and I hope that you will. Check out the Property Rights Podcast using the links in the description. Thanks for listening and enjoy.
1: Welcome back to the Property Rights Podcast. As always, I am your favorite co-host, Josh.
2: And I am your second favorite co-host, Taylor. I like this order. It's really good. Uh, yeah, okay.
1: But today's a special show. It's, it's a really big show.
2: Yeah, it is. So today, we've got a special interview. You know, I spend a, a good bit of time on YouTube, and I came across this guy named Matt Christensen a few months back. I really liked this content. I thought it'd be cool to have him on the show. He runs a YouTube channel under Matt Christensen and a podcast called Beauty and the Beta. We'll let you guys decide uh, which one's a beauty and which one's a beta. On yeah, one. no spoilers, so go check them out for sure. Um, yeah,
1: Matt,
0: first off, thanks for coming on the show. Sure, thanks for having me. I was, I was wondering where I fit in in the favorite priority. <laughs> <Am> <laughs> well, I our guests are my...
1: always number one, right? Okay. okay.
0: <laughs> but yeah, so, uh, but yeah a, no, I appreciate it. Thanks for hosting me.
1: Yeah, of course. Uh, yeah. I'm really curious. Maybe kids today would wind up saying, I want to grow up and be a YouTuber. But tell hmm. us a little bit about your background, what, you know, what you wanted to be when you grow up why why one day did you get in front of a camera and say you know what? I'm gonna be on YouTube now. Uh It actually started with video
0: games uh, And it was a, it was a pure hobby. I used to uh I've always been interested in politics and I studied political science and I I'm, I'm a former filthy progressive for better or worse, but I guess former is better than current these days. I think <laughs> so uh, so, yeah, I, I, I've always been interested in it. I, I formerly worked in progressive advocacy, actually. Wow. And I did uh, like data analysis and stuff for for an advocacy organization. And uh, I, I played a lot of video games. I played Call of Duty specifically and I played with my friends. And we used to – if you've ever played an online video game, half the fun is people raging at you, people yeah, yeah, of course. talking a bunch of – S, I don't know if I can t- swear on your show or not. Oh, you can do whatever yeah. you, can do whatever yeah, you want, People man. talking shit to you, you know, it, that's what makes it so fun. And I'm re- 2011, 2012, I had this idea. I'm like, this is hilarious, and I'm already playing the game anyway. I should just start recording this stuff. So I, I did that as a hobby. It, it picked up a, a, a very small audience, you know, a few thousand subscriptions, but it was kind of this niche channel. Over time, the ability to make that content sort of faded because Microsoft and others started cracking down on the ability to... Talk to people online, recorded online, because, you know, my hate speech and all that. <laughs> Quote, kind of unquote, hate speech. To, to the world that we're in now, where things became more censorious, even though, like, I still play video games these uh, these days, but it's not as fun, because there aren't as many people talking trash. Right. It's It's like half the fun has been removed. Anyway, over time, it became harder to make that content, and I was also having kind of a Political realization, I suppose, I, I've never – a lot of my political beliefs have changed over time. The one that hasn't is a commitment to free speech. Mm-hmm. And I was watching as people who I thought were on my team were becoming more and more hostile on the speech issue, celebrating – like the, the big turning point for me was watching people shut down the Trump rally in
1: Chicago by force. Oh, so it, was, it was recent that you, you fully realized? 2016.
0: Yeah, I mean the, the, it was sort of – the questions were coming – Prior to that, but because you had Gamergate and you had feminism in video games Mm -hmm. and sort of all these conflicts, and I was loosely following that kind of stuff. But it wasn't until, yeah, I mean, we're talking three years ago that half the people I considered more than half, a lot of the people on my political team were celebrating shutting down political speech by force. And I felt alone (laughs) sitting there like, all right, I don't like Trump at the time. That's changed. I'm a little more warm to Trump now than I was then. I didn't like him then. But I'm not cool with shutting down political speech. Let the guy
1: talk. Let his supporters hear him. What, you know, what? our stories are almost identical in that. Yeah, I was about to say you're not the huh. only
2: former so dirty liberal here. I grew oh,
1: yeah. up. Hey, don't spoil my secrets, man. I grew yeah. up actually. Yeah, you know, we're from Mississippi, right? So the entire state's yeah. red. Well, I grew up, quote unquote, Republican until 2012 when I discovered Ron Paul, and I was like, oh, this guy's got a yeah. bent to him. But then yeah. I got to grad school, and I was fully indoctrinated in the university system, and you yeah. know, I was, I was. I made the left look like the right. You know, I was I was full Bernie bot. I was all the way there. Yeah. And then one day I kind of had this realization as well cuz I've always been very individualistic and pro liberty such as freedom of speech and things like that.
0: Yep. Same. And then
1: and then all of a sudden I was like, "Wait, I'm on the wrong side of the fence here."
0: Yeah, I used to I used to believe in government tax and spend as a means to provide opportunity to the individual, same, so yeah. to speak. My views on that have have shifted quite a lot. But yeah, I mean, it is interesting. It, you come from that perspective as a, wanting the liberation of the individual. Now, I think it's kind of a perversion to say we're going to, on the Property Rights Podcast, for example, take people's property <laughs> and redistribute it as a right. means to uplift those who maybe have less or whatever else. That said, I think we were probably coming at it from the same place. The goal was liberation, freedom, opportunity mm-hmm. for the individual, and that is... I think we probably defected on that weird collectivism that is infested. That's exactly right. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
2: That's that's perfect terminology. Did you ever have any weird moments where you were like, oh, I'm wrong about something and you were like, I don't know, humbled or had to admit that you were wrong to friends or something? I've come around a lot on
0: guns as well. I Mm -hmm. I used to. And a part of it was just I didn't – I've never been fully – I've never been like a confiscationist. But I bought into, you know, the – the the common sense gun control type talking points and that was because I just didn't know a lot like I you know I've shotguns I've never been a hunter right but I, I've I've had my friends have them my family's had them I've never been fully anti gun but I didn't know that much and I certainly didn't know that much about the law that governs them and over time as I've taken more and more look into that a, a deeper look into that I've really come around and uh, I mean I, I'm I'm convinced we could basically re- repeal Every federal law specifically that exists and have no negative effect and probably positive effect mm-hmm. in terms of, of safety and security in this country but Actually, what, what did it for me? Was it, it came from that free speech perspective, too? I had this moment. You, you could go back and watch the, the video on my channel. It's probably Three years old. It's around the same time as like the the Trump thing that kind of switched me. But what happened was back back when I was more in video games, I used to get these like weird threats more frequently than I do now, you know, like random people on the Internet sending you some bizarre threat. It's more common in the video game world where people are like. So something you just brushed off. Nothing serious. <laughs> and, well, I used to make fun of it. I used I'd get this stuff and I'd like make fun of it in video because it's It's funny. It's like somebody sent me a picture or like a video of him with a knife and saying he was going <laughs> to It
2: was just a stupid video and I was making He's going to stab you through
0: the screen, man but, but when I thought sincerely about it, I was like uh, Listen, this guy, let's assume that this threat, because it was sent through Twitter and I, and I thought, let's assume that this threat is sincere and not a joke. I don't know I have no way to tell. Mm-hmm. It's kind of halfway between. Poe's law. You don't know if it's serious or not But let's assume that it's serious Would I be prepared to say, because this guy has abused a speech right in threatening me on Twitter, that we ought to become more censorious, that we ought to crack down on this more, that we ought to sacrifice some of our liberty in this case for a little security, theoretically? Of course not. I never would have said that. This guy is abusive, but let's punish that guy. Let's not crack Mm -hmm. down on everybody else. Do you think that set off like a cascade of logical consequences? Yeah, well, I just, I, I, I sat and thought about it and I think, well, it's so clear to me in this speech context... Why do I think differently on guns? Why do I think we ought to go after the individual liberties of people who are not abusive, of people who are law-abiding, of people who are just out to protect themselves? And I couldn't really square that. I couldn't justify why I would say we shouldn't crack down on speech because of
2: an abuser, Mm -hmm. but we should crack Mm -hmm. down on guns. You know the uh, logical inconsistency
0: that yeah, yeah, and I, and that was sort of a catalyst and and I got actually what really did it for me on guns, too was Philosophically I shifted that said I didn't go out and, and buy a lot of guns at the time right. and I didn't yeah. necessarily mm-hmm. shoot more because my interest in it Hadn't yet developed you get to this time last year and you got Parkland and David Hogg And all these oh, people yeah. coming out yeah. getting much more serious about threatening the right and that's when I sort of realized okay, I need to become more proficient not only in my skill and knowledge of firearms, but an understanding of the law to went out, got my concealed carry permit, bought firearms, became more proficient. It's so funny how David Hogg and these people rip on the NRA. And I'm not even a fan of the NRA because they don't do enough to protect. You're you're preaching to the choir here, man. Yeah, sure. (laughs) But he he rips on the NRA for supposedly um, being all about gun sales or something. And it's like, dude, David, you've personally sold like five guns. For me by yourself, like just you talking on MSNBC has made me go buy many additional guns. There's a correlation there. Yeah, he's the best gun salesman in the country. Yeah, that was the biggest uh, shift or or sort of realization that that
2: my worldview had a contradiction in it. Mm. So I guess just to kind of go back to the early YouTube career, I went back on your channel a week ago or so kind of preparing for this. And I noticed the Skaggy Speaks videos. Kind oh yeah, popping up about those old video game commentary yeah mm-hmm. is well,
0: that they kind of started becoming
2: political i noticed
0: yeah yeah um, they started becoming just about social issues though i was not on camera you know it was just like over video game footage
2: right right yeah is that i guess about you know when you started transitioning and did you ever intend for that to become the main topic of your channel
0: uh i don't know that i like sat down one day and decided i'm going to become a Cultural political youtuber the thing that sort of happened Was I well, I guess I kind of was I knew I was going that direction and it just I was Less and less about video games more and more about politics and culture and at that point it's like well It doesn't really make sense for me to stay in the video game realm I just need to start appearing on camera even though that's I mean for a lot of people myself included That's a stressful leap like all of a sudden your face is out there Someone right. could find mm-hmm. your name all that sort of thing at the same time the job that i was talking about earlier got more and more infested with the social justice dogma and the organizational equity meetings and the diversity quotas and all this crap and i i had a man the guy the manager under whom i was working was pretty cool but he ended up leaving in the summer of 2016 and i was placed under management of somebody who i, I couldn't stand and i knew it was only a matter of time before my name Got assigned to my face that was right. out there. I mean, it was yeah. it, comparatively, it was a much smaller trafficked channel, but it's not inconceivable that one of my Facebook friends finds it or whatever else. So rather than wait to get, you know, called into a meeting at work or something like that, you know, I had been doing a, a big kid job for five and a half years after college at that point, and i had saved up a little bit of money, and I thought, well, I can't do this job for. For um, political ideological reasons and because I'm I never know when I'm gonna get caught so to speak So I'm gonna I'm gonna put in my two weeks. I'm gonna see what I can do with this little This little bit of money that I've saved up. Maybe I can build something out of this worst-case scenario I'd take an ego shot and I go live with mom and dad for a little bit and find a new job But the rest is uh, is how we get to here. So, you know, I I, I somehow made made it through <laughs>
2: That's what's really
1: interesting. But yeah, I just kind of accidentally built a career out of it. You talked about the how at the very beginning. You were very pro the liberty of freedom of speech, and that even transferred over to your job to the point you said, "I'll put in the two weeks because I'm not going to change who I am and what I'm talking about."
0: Yeah, and to be fair to my past employer, and I I never mentioned who they are, and I because I don't want to throw them under the bus. They were actually quite quite fair to me, you know, and uh, I, I wouldn't want any negative flack to come back to them because it's not like they ever tried to silence me.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I just sort of predicted that. I predicted that would happen. I sort of surmised that would happen based on the internal politics. And and to some extent, I guess I can understand, you know, I mean, uh, I, the ideas that I'm talking about are, are at a lot of levels opposed to what their ideals are. And I can understand why they wouldn't want me on YouTube making cases against Right. A lot of the things they stand for. So I'm not even I'm not that mad at them. It's just sort of Uh, it's like a, it's like an ideological shift that happened in my head where it was clear to me like You can't hang out here and do this work and feel like you're being intellectually honest anyway So I I try to be careful and not say I was like victimized or anything like that because I wasn't It's just right. like it was it's just it was, it was kind of a, it was a parting of ways.
1: Yeah, so the show you talked about Back when you were doing the video game, how was a smaller following? Well, it's not a smaller following anymore. Mm. Did that shift happen when you went fully political, or what, how was it receptive? How were the how did people respond? Were they encouraging, or did you get a lot more kind of uh, flack for shifting? I mean the the politics. I mean,
0: I've I've always had, I think, a a pretty good mix of um, people of different viewpoints following. So it wasn't even like the politics. That I think were the tough transition at some level when you're a channel that size It's just the content transition and thankfully a lot of people stuck with me, which is sort of surprising because if you come for Like video game rage content and Mm -hmm. you stick around for like, let's break down why the Oregon The proposed gun law in Oregon is a bunch of BS Those aren't really similar things. So thankfully that's way in the rear view and and when I did this trend this Transition. I hate that word these <laughs> days because of like, the gender
2: context or whatever. Right. I was when, I, when,
0: when I transitioned, um, it was only it was only like a five thousand subscriber channel. So practically speaking, you can almost start fresh at that point. Like mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. M- maybe maybe not. I mean, the difficulty starting from scratch and getting up to like a thousand subscriber channel way way tougher than someone you know. Once you're established, getting like 10,000 additional subscribers or something like that. It's it's starting from scratch. That is exceptionally difficult. Absolutely. So
1: yeah So did you ever notice a point though as it was growing because obviously it's gonna exponentially grow mm -hmm. that you felt as if Okay, the subscriber base or the people watching it the number it's it's too large I don't have that grasp that I had just with a couple guys watching me on video games Sometimes it, it there is pressure. Yeah, uh, like for for instance, earlier this
0: week, I, I, I try to stick to a schedule because consistency is so key. Like you got to bring, mm-hmm. you want to maintain an audience. You want to grow an audience. You got to bring the audience what they expect when they expect it. And so for me, that means, you know, two individual videos a week. I try to stick to Wednesday and Saturday as consistently as I can with rare exception. And that is a lot of pressure. And sometimes like this week was one such example where there's just Not something that I feel really passionately about about talking about, you know, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and so earlier this week I wrote a like on Monday Tuesday. I wrote a whole script on What's going on with Tommy Robinson and his Facebook and Instagram bannings and I recorded the whole thing and for the first time in a long time I sat down to edit it on Tuesday and I was like I just I just don't like this. your heart's not worth it. Yeah, I just don't like this and I scrapped it I haven't scrapped a video like that in probably over a year And thankfully, at the same time, the Tim Pool stream on Joe Rogan show with Jack Dorsey and the Twitter Mm -hmm. lawyer chick was going on. So immediately I kind of got bailed out. I'm like, well, I do care a lot about this. So I'll just I'll start writing about that. But but yeah, there is I mean, the the pressure. The nice thing about the pressure is like it's it's all just numbers on a screen, man. (laughs) Like Mm -hmm. like I it's so weird to think about because I just sit in front of the same monitor all the time. It's in front of a wall. There's nobody. There's no real person. There's no real audience. I'm not in some auditorium or something like that. So thankfully, I can kind of relieve myself of that pressure. At any, t- I can get up and take a walk, and it's not like, it's not like I'm under
1: – I'm the pressure mat,
2: so I expected that video, OK? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah.
1: You know, it, it's well, weird psychologically because we'll have people a lot of times come into the studio and record with us. Yeah. And if they've never talked to the mic before – You'll see their handshaking yeah. shaking or you'll see them get nervous before they settle down because yeah. even though it's just a mic or it's just a camera, yeah. psychologically, you know, any amount of people can be listening to this. It
0: There's that. Yeah, it's uh, – and it never it never gets not weird. Like I have this webcam that we mm-hmm. use for the podcast and the streams. Behind that, there's just like a, a normal camera or a DSLR camera that I use just for recording my, my individual videos and it just sits there. And several times, like it takes me usually somewhere between 40 minutes to an hour to record one of my individual videos. Mm -hmm. And sometimes when you're like a half hour in and you're stumbling over your words, if you guys talk a lot, I'm sure you've been there where it's just like the words don't come out right anymore after a certain time. Well, luckily for us, we don't have video. It's easier to edit. Sure. (laughs) It's like there's something about just staring into a camera by yourself where you start to think it just starts to get weird. It's like, Mm -hmm. what, what am I doing? I'm talking to a piece of machinery. In uh, in chunks about like something else that's going on in the world out there and I it's just so weird like technology is so weird you know you post it on the on the internet I guess numbers
1: tell me that people watch it <laughs> but I yeah. don't it's like I don't see that you know was it strange though the first time you noticed that that all of a sudden you know not five thousand but maybe sixty thousand people watched my content the, there were a few a few videos early on where I caught some kind
0: of viral traction. And that was weird because hey, didn't you, you wind know, up on the Young point?
1: Turks at one point?
0: Yeah, yeah. I um way back when I, I made this. uh it, This was when I still considered myself a, a progressive or a liberal. I I What really bothered me, there was a comedian named Nicole Arbor, if you're familiar with her. She still appears on yeah. like Steven Crowder's show and stuff from time to time. And she's still active on YouTube, I believe. But she made a video called Dear Fat People. And it was just like. It was a comedy video that, yeah, it was kind of mean spirited, but it was just taking jabs at fat people. Right, mm. and it's like, yeah, you can find it funny or not. I understand why some people don't find it funny. I thought it was kind of funny. Whatever, to watch if you don't. Well, that's the thing about humor is subjective. Watch. Yeah, but the but the internet. This was like a precursor to what we're watching these days where you try to destroy someone's life for being racist or you try Mm -hmm. to destroy their life for being sexist or whatever it is. They were trying to destroy her life, get her banned off YouTube, get her banned off of everything, get her depersoned basically because she said mean things about fat people. And it really bothered me. Like this was the first time that I sat down in front of a camera and I, I was impassioned about, listen, it doesn't matter whether you enjoy this or not, agree with it or not. We have to, as a culture, set aside what we personally find offensive in favor of the individual's ability to say what he or she believes to be true. That is a crucial part of our culture that we must maintain. And um, and it caught a little bit of fire. I think it got like a quarter million views or something like that, such that it uh, it was included in a BuzzFeed article about the whole event. And I didn't, I didn't take Nicole Arbor's side but for supporting her right to say what she wants. Right. Yeah. Now there were different pieces of video or Facebook posts or whatever embedded in this article. One of them from some random person said something to the effect of fat people need to take control of their lives because they're just harming themselves or others. Jenk Uger on the Young Turks. In looking at this BuzzFeed article for all of 30 seconds, I'm sure if misattributed that, much, yeah. that quote to me and said, oh, there's this YouTuber out there named Skag3, whoever that is, which is the sounder I still use in our podcast because it's so great. I love hearing him say my name and whoever that is. <laughs> it's like a feather in my cap. Well, you made goes, it, man. You made it. Yeah. Listen, prick. And he pointed at the camera. You can still go watch this. Listen, prick. And he went on this uh, tirade, which, is, which was supposedly about me. And, of course, I'm just this tiny little account at the time going mad on Twitter saying like I didn't say that please correct the record that's that's ridiculous this is smearing me and eventually they did uh correct it or they put a note on the video but yeah to, to your question that was the first time that like instead of 500 eyes or maybe a thousand eyes on a good day this thing had like a quarter million and it was just it's like wow maybe I, I, when you when that happens it's it's kind of terrifying but it's also encouraging it's like well maybe maybe I could do this. Right. Maybe, yeah. maybe that is possible. It I push put you no. outside
1: of your, outside of your yeah. comfort zone really fast.
0: Yeah. I mean, it even, it is still happens to this day, you know, like I've got a good core audience, but every once in a while, something will catch a little bit more fire than the other ones. And, and it, even to this day, it's like, wow, that's, that's kind of crazy. I mean, it, it's all relative, you know, whether you're used to 500 eyes or, or 50,000 eyes, there's always like a next level that's gigantic and it still gives you
2: that same kind of Mm -hmm. Same kind of rush, you know what I mean? Yeah. I guess while we have you here, Matt, got a couple questions for you about the 2020 presidential race. Yeah, keep it a little political, I suppose. So, yeah. First question I got for you is if you had $1 million to bet (laughs) on one of these primary Democratic primary candidates to win, Uh, which one would you bet on?
0: uh, I'd have to see the odds. So, like, I mean, are we playing the odds? That is to say, am I playing for the payout or am I just paying for the safe bet? If I'm paying for the safe bet, I would take Joe Biden and that's kind of a cop-out because that's just what the polling says over Elizabeth Warren even Yeah, I don't I think I think the Indian stuff is um, is gonna sink her Mm -hmm. Uh, So I'd be surprised if she if she survives to be one of the final uh, Candidates if I were gonna take a candidate who's maybe a a higher like a lower probability higher payout Mmm I don't know. They're all so terrible. Like, I mean, I could see I could see Kamala But she's also not that not that uh, long of a shot. You so know? you're it's saying Bernie just, doesn't just, stand a chance again this time I don't I think some, a lot of his mojo is gone I, I just think that I think there are a few things one People who lose and then return tend not to do so well Like how often does a candidate lose and then come back and do really well the second time? Maybe it happens But generally that's not the trend He's also just much older now. He's still right. yeah. he's four years older. I think the age is a liability. And and I think that the the sort of socialist magic, the socialist appeal is a little – it has a little less luster this time around. Do you think maybe, AOC maybe, had
1: something to do with that?
0: Maybe or maybe my perspective has just shifted such that I'm so skeptical of these things. But I, I don't know. I just – I don't know that there's a lot of – uh, the polling su- suggests. I had just seen polling earlier this week. Like even the Democratic Party wants their candidate to be in a more moderate direction. Mm-hmm, That's what mm-hmm. the polling suggests. And if they want to beat Trump, it's not that hard. You just be a fairly centrist candidate and be less terrible than he is. And I say that as somebody who voted for the president, and still is kind of a fan of him. But it, it does amaze me that the Democrats' only challenge is just be less terrible than he is. But right. they always yeah. have to be way yeah. more terrible. So well, it's it seems just- like the platform is don't be Trump. Is what it is. Yeah, just just don't. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, like, Trump is kind of a jackass for also kind of his appeal. Right. You know, that's kind of, I like his trolly nature, and sometimes he goes too far. But the thing is, the 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 Democrats are similarly jackassian, but in like a in sort of a I don't know, like a meaner, more envious, more negative. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm way i don't know how to describe that but it, it doesn't come off as fun that's what i'm trying to say like their their vitriol doesn't come off as fun whereas trump's vitriol right. if you want to call it that is more like it's more tongue-in-cheek i suppose it's more like wink wink nudge nudge ha ha as mm-hmm. opposed to like a sincere disdain for people plus he's and got I think
1: this the style of humor did you see the other day when uh tim cook of apple was sitting around him what he said
0: I, I, we heard last night on the stream someone said that he called him Tim Apple. He called him Tim so, Apple. Just straight yeah.
1: faces can be just completely. <laughs> and we want to thank Tim Apple. <laughs> like you can't beat that. I, I haven't. Yeah, he's got that like dad charm. Mm-hmm.
0: Um. So I guess I didn't answer the question on who's uh who's like the dark horse candidate. <sighs> Ugh. I don't. Maybe I shouldn't have gone back to that. Maybe I should have just skated that. Yeah,
1: <laughs> okay, you so so I'll, I'll transition That's you then. Do question. you think any one of them stand a or chance a against Trump for the twenty twenty election? Uh, again, I would I would say that
0: Joe Biden has the best chance. If I'm guessing, um, I like okay, Biden. I I think would have the best chance. Bernie, if Bernie's the nominee. If Bernie's the nominee in 2016, he's president today. I firmly believe that. Mm -hmm. He would have got the votes in uh, Michigan, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin. Could he do it again this time? Conceivable. I still think Biden would have a better shot. Um, Kamala Harris, too crazy from California. Not enough appeal. I I, I would put her as almost no shot. Uh, Elizabeth Warren, the Indian thing, is going to cripple her. Mm Mm-hmm. Gillibrand, Klobuchar. Who are these people? They that's not going to happen. They're not going to win the nomination. But Biden anyway. can kind of
1: piggyback the the nostalgia of Obama a little bit.
0: Yeah, he's already are you, got such a big name. Speaking mm-hmm. of Obama, the dark horse candidate is Michelle Obama. Uh, how Seriously? I yeah, I think she could do it if she were to jump into the race right now. I think she'd probably jump to uh, probably a top three polling position. And as much as um, as much as Obama is still. I mean, still hated by a significant portion of the country, conservatives in particular, uh, libertarians, I, I suppose as well. They love him, man. Like they mm-hmm. still love this guy. And and Michelle Obama gets that same love. And I'm not I'm not a huge fan of hers. I think she said some garbage things, but she does have some energy, some charisma, some some pep
2: that I think could get a lot of voters excited. So so that's an interesting theory. Yeah, keep, keep it in mind. I guess just a couple more questions for you before we let you go. First one is: You see this whole wave of you know higher taxes, more free stuff, more uh, I guess aggression against property rights. Mm-hmm. Do you think that this whole push is going to die off soon, or do you think it's yeah. something that's going to stick is it around? Like a millennial fad, or I
0: don't. I I wish I I don't know what direction it's gonna go I guess if I believe the direction that's happened the last few years, we're gonna keep going this this pro-socialism pro redistributionist um, route the one thing I think that we all could do a better job of that I really admire people like Ben Shapiro for is um, Is not just making the practical arguments for individual rights and capitalism and property rights Because I think you can just point to the successful economies of the world and especially historically But making the moral case making and and I I try to do that I try to refine it a little bit and I I can certainly do better But when you talk about the proposals of like AOC and Bernie You have to get down to those fundamental questions and those questions are things like who owns your labor? Do you own your labor? Do you own your property or does somebody else is it Mm -hmm. collective property? And is it moral? For someone to come to your house and take your property at gunpoint because somebody else supposedly needs it more than you do. It, it, when you think about it in those terms, the morality, the, the moral high ground that they like to claim evaporates fairly easy, I think. And, and I wish we all did a better job of challenging that. Because you get AOC and the rest going on, on 60 Minutes and such and, and saying things like, uh, what was her famous quote about people are more concerned with being f- factually correct than they are with being morally right, right yeah. i i don't think that you're morally right at all. In fact, I think you're maybe more morally corrupt than you are factually inaccurate, which is saying something because everything you say is is has a loose connection with mm-hmm. the truth at best and and part of the part of what makes the system so sinister. And why we have to emphasize these things because people think that's like an absurd scenario of someone coming to your house with a With a gun to your head and saying give me your stuff because someone else needs it Like it's negan or something on the walking dead, right? That was a great meme. I saw recently who said it better and there's a picture of Negan <laughs> and quote <Bernie laughs> is like what I want is half your shit And if I come knocking at your door, you better open because that's my door. Yeah, that's the same kind of reasoning so, um in, Anyway, where I was going with this is one of the better experiences for me too in this whole youtube thing and sort of making my own job, so to speak, is that these days I got to cut the check to the IRS, man. Like Mm -hmm. there's no deduction. There's no refund at the end of the year. I write them a check every single month. I watch that money go away. And I think that's money that I all that money. I could easily hire somebody part time to help Mm -hmm. me out. Alternatively, I could give all that money to my favorite charity, which I would much rather do. And they do great work. Everybody could do that. Give it to your charity that you support. That by the way you can vet and you can see how their money is used efficiently and all this. The point is, if we can't if we can't win on the arguments, I wish we could get to a system too where it's like, you have to actually watch your property, your money, the things that you've worked for and you've earned and that you own, leave your hands, because somebody else run. is is pointing a gun at you and mm-hmm, saying, yeah. sorry, someone else needs this more than you. I wish we could we could structure our society to make that. More apparent to people because then that description that we're talking about seems less absurd and, and the reality is it's not absurd at all That's what's going on, right. man
1: But if you know if you didn't cut that check who's gonna keep up all these potholes in the roads, man <laughs> How could it be done? <laughs> uh, yeah, that's the that's the dominoes thing these days, right?
0: Dominoes yeah. filling filling the, the potholes and you know you go to I've been to California a few times this year and funny all those high taxes, it's high tax state, supposedly high service state. Worst potholes I've ever seen. <laughs> their, their roads are undrivable. Have you ever How, been to Mississippi? I have. I've been to Jackson. Oh, uh, like man. A week. I'm sorry. Yeah. It, it, you know, I wasn't going to say anything negative, but it wasn't it wasn't. Well, awesome you don't have enough. to. We will for you. How I'm not. Are, are you guys
1: from Jackson specifically? No, but we've been there many, many times.
0: Mm. Yeah. It's uh, – I don't know. I mean, I had to go there for work and I just I, I just had like meetings for a week.
1: Mm-hmm. And that's that's the only quote unquote city in the whole state, really.
0: Yeah, yeah that's the crazy uh, about it. I, I, I've heard the Gulf Coast is quite nice. I've never it been. Is, yeah. yeah, it's a different
1: yeah. culture completely. And they have the casinos yeah. and all that fun stuff. So so one more quick question, then, since sure. you've kind of become more aligned with seeing Trump in a more favorable light, I would say, mm-hmm. do you. Think we're on the right path. Do you think four more years is going to continue us going down the right direction for me?
0: Um, mixed bag. I mean do I feel like the economy is improving? Yeah I mean, I, I give him even though I, I have some disputes about how he's handled some tariffs and international relations and things like that Generally speaking, I think Americans pocketbooks are doing better. I think he's got the right ideas on on tax reform It'd be nice to see that coupled with some spending reform, which we're never gonna get but you know a little bit is better than nothing at all i think he's doing i don't know i think he's 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 done the right things on several fronts what drives me nuts is his record on um on some executive authority issues specifically i have some significant concerns about this wall emergency declaration and mm-hmm. even if that's uh even if congress has given him the power to do that statutorily i You know, I I blame Congress for doing that and I blame him, you know, so so there's blame to go around what's a deviation from what is our intended constitutional structure. I also the number one thing I hate that I absolutely loathe that he did was the was the bump stock move, not just because it's it's an infringement on Second Amendment rights, but because what he did was rewrite existing federal law to mean something that it doesn't. A bump Mm -hmm. stock is not a machine gun. Yet now, through this executive declaration, through the Justice Department, a piece of plastic is now considered a machine gun. Such that if you're in unregistered possession of it, you face prison time or uh, or fines and a felony for something that you legally owned, according to the ATF, a year ago. So you that see, it's pandering, sense. kind of. I well. This is- I see it as drastic executive overreach because what he did was redefine the law from the executive and then think about just what he's doing. He's saying your legally owned property that you had last year that was all legally squared then now has to be surrendered or destroyed. And by the way, we're not going to compensate you for it. That is that is a ridiculous precedent that we should all be very wary of outside of just the gun context. So at th- that end, to your point on the politics of it, I do see it as sort of an effort to placate the anti-gun left, which spoiler alert, they don't care. Like they're going to come out tomorrow and say, Tru- oh, Trump has a great record on guns. Right. It'll so- yeah, never you, happen. Yeah, stuff. No. They're not going to give you any credit, dude. So right. f- from a, po- a political perspective, I don't see the benefit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, but is that move enough to get me to say like if my criticisms are, listen, you went overboard in some executive and federal authority fronts. I certainly am not going to go to the Democrats and be like, I trust you to return power to the individual and the state and localities. Yeah, okay, that's not going to happen. So uh, is my vote going to go elsewhere? The only possible way it could go somewhere is if like libertarians have a really compelling candidate, which good luck. You know, we'll see how that goes. (laughs) And even in that scenario, I'd be cautious because, you know, given the structure of what we have, if I vote for uh, Gary Johnson or whoever it is this time around, Am I indirectly helping the Democrat?
1: Oh, I, indirectly- I think that's something that we all start. And even the people on the other side that voted for the Jill Stein is, yeah. it, you know, it's always, it's not a vote for who you believe in. It's a vote against one of the yeah, major two. And,
0: yeah. And that is a bummer. You know, people have uh, criticisms of our system for that very reason. And, and a lot of them I think are valid. You know what I wish we could do. I, I, don't, I don't know how exactly how this system would work, but I know other countries do it where you basically vote based on uh, priority. That is to say Mm -hmm. I'd happily vote for the Libertarian candidate one when they're knocked out give my vote to Trump That'd be cool. Then I then I feel like I've stayed true to what my beliefs and principles Mm -hmm. are without giving power to my Number one enemy, which is what I want to avoid. Yeah So maybe maybe some things to think about and how we structure elections, but
2: yeah yeah. Well, Matt want to thank you for for coming on the show and everything great. So can you tell us or our listeners where they can find you we will obviously provide links and stuff in the show notes? But yeah, or yeah, uh,
0: I if, if you're looking to find me, the name is Matt Christensen. It's Christian like the religion S E N. I hope that helps to spell mm-hmm. it because it's yeah. kind of long Christian like the religion S.E.N. The website is Matt dot com. You can find uh, all my videos, all my social media, all my podcasts, contact information, all that stuff's on the website. Matt dot com.
1: That's fantastic. Yeah, we'll, we'll leave links in the show notes for everyone. Thanks again for coming on the show. And uh, with that being said, we'll catch you guys on the next time. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. Thanks.